and we're live here, Pancreation Philosophy, episode 22. I'm here with Bryce Murphy. Welcome, Bryce. Thank you for having me, Pachola. Oh, for sure. All right, Bryce and I, we go way back. We uh, Actually, we were in the same sophomore math class. That's true. Yeah. I think we were, I'm pretty sure we sat in the same table. And I think for, yeah, yeah for they like, were rotated like, tables, yeah, rotate, but yeah, for one part. I yeah. think for one part. I distinctly remember that. Anyway, that's not what brought us here. Not <laughs> sophomore math. But it was uh, it was mainly it was mainly MMA. So I'm curious, Bryce, how did you get started? I guess watching MMA or becoming a fan. Yeah. yeah so I got started watching MMA about a decade ago at this point. Okay. I think it was 2009, and I had a friend uh, in that same high school who was really interested in MMA. He uh, grew up watching Pride and was a big fan of Fedor in particular, yeah. and would show me clips of pride fights and tried for most of my senior year of high school to get me into MMA. Okay. So he would, he would come over to my house and he would show me like either new clips that would happen in MMA or these old clips of Fedor. And it's not that I didn't like it at first. Um, I mean, I grew up watching martial arts and Jackie Chan movies and Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there was always something that appealed to me uh, about the, the clips that he was showing me. But there was something about it where it was like, I know you're going to show me the best stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I've watched sports my whole life. I've yeah. watched, you know, all sorts of team sports. And so it was like, okay, you're showing me highlights. Yeah. You know, uh, this is this is very obviously curated. And it wasn't until uh, I actually, I was watching uh, hockey on Versus, which is no longer a channel. But right. That's, but that's where uh, the WEC, WEC was exactly, on. Yeah. Exactly yeah, that's back. right. And around that time was back when uh, Uriah Faber was yes. the big star of the WEC. Yeah. And um, I actually saw a replay of a fight after watching a, a hockey game on there where okay. it was uh, Uriah Faber and uh, Mike Brown. Their first oh, that fight. was their first fight? Their yeah. first fight. And uh, I remember watching just a, a replay of that and... Uh, uh, my friend uh, Tad, who had been trying to get me into MMA at the time, I guess we, we both know. Yeah, we both know Tad and his gambling habits. <laughs> yes, well. that, 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 that's true. Tad, yeah. Tad wasted a yeah. decent amount of money Tad, making our, that MMA our, 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 Jap- our Japanese friend, who's totally not a homer for Japanese <laughs> fighters. But yeah, anyway, so you saw Mike Brown, uh, Uri Faber won. Okay. Yeah, I, um, was it I just was friend. it just the was it just Brown Faber or was it like the card? I just saw Brown Faber. Okay. And they, the reason they were showing that is because they were trying to advertise uh, Brown Favor 2, which yeah, was coming up yeah. at, that, at that point. And I watched that fight, and Tad had told me a little bit about what was going on with, with Uriah Faber mm-hmm. and being excited for that fight. And so I, I texted him and was like, hey, I, I want to see this fight. You know, yeah. I'd never actually sat down and watched a, uh, an MMA fight as it was happening live before. Okay. So I told him, I, I want to watch this fight, and I'm interested. I know who these fighters are. I'm invested in this narrative. Yeah. And so... Uh, we went and uh, that card happened, and we watched it at, at my place. And the first fight that I saw in that card, I think it was the co-main event, okay. was Jose Aldo and Cub Swanson. Oh yeah, wow, two names. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny, like looking back. Yeah, ten years ago, they, they were they were pretty much no, essentially nobody no. at that time. But yeah. No. Anyway, so you saw that. Yeah, and of yeah. course I had no idea who either of them were, and. Yeah. Obviously, six second or whatever, six seconds, whatever it was. Yeah, with flying, that double flying knee. Double yeah. flying knee knockout yeah. from Jose Aldo. And this was, uh, in my head, I had obviously no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And so just seeing that of something that even in the highlights I had never seen before, I had no idea it was even possible in an MMA fight, mm-hmm. that was where it was like, okay, I need to watch more of this. Yeah. Like, that was, that was one of the most exciting things, one of the most exciting, most exhilarating moments that I'd ever seen in sports. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, and then obviously you have the fight after that where I'm invested in the narrative and, and yeah. you know, wanted to see what would happen with, with Faber and Brown. And so just those two fights back to back was such a, a game changer for me and I wanted to, to learn more. And over the years I started to kind of drift in and out and it was a few years later where I started uh, realizing what the UFC actually was and started mm-hmm. watching more of more of that and following the fighters. Yeah, the that that is an interesting fight card. Yeah, just with you know the emergence of Jose, I guess he because he was already in the WEC and scored some finishes, but that was definitely like I'd say probably his coming out. And then Brown, yeah, because Brown favored too. I remember that's when uh like Faber broke both of his hands and ended up going like a five round decision. Let's see, because I think Brown, I think Brown had a couple because I remember him defending against Leonard Garcia, and then I think. I think he might have had another one, but I think he then fought Jose, which is how he got the title. But okay, so I guess how did you? So how, how did you? I guess uh, when you discovered what the UFC actually was, like what made you? Uh, I guess what what kept you invested, like in watching it, or what 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 about the sport? Yeah. Um. Well, I think I think the UFC specifically what helped me transition was the WEC fighters going into the UFC because mm-hmm. at that point I was following Jose Aldo and yeah. I was following uh, Faber and, and Brown and, and some of the other Dominic Cruz and some of the other fighters from the WEC because uh, that was easy to follow because it was free on TV. Yeah, free on TV. Um, yeah. And so them uh, all of those fighters being absorbed into the UFC made it an easier transition for me. Um, but also it was. It was that I started to uh, understand that at, at the time there was more of a hierarchy of I felt like there was a payoff for I'm going to watch these these fighters rise through the ranks and then I started mm-hmm. to understand here is a, a championship fight between a fighter I've invested in a fighter I've, I've watched and then they're going to fight the champion of the weight class and yeah. that was uh, that was compelling to me and mm-hmm. so it felt like as I, as I was just enjoying the sport and all of the things that could happen and the stories within each specific fight, mm-hmm. um, I started to enjoy the larger stories of what's going to happen in this weight class and what's yes. going to happen when, when this fighter I've been watching meets this, this other fighter I've been watching, um, if, that, if that makes any sense. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense because you got you get a notion of like a, a collective narrative like there's a narrative of like mm-hmm. one fighter of like let's say fighter A and then fighter B knowing that both of them I mean will eventually if they do continue doing well that they'll eventually meet and seeing how that happens I think yeah and then there's I mean over the years there's there's been some I mean I guess like one of the most uh, one of the most prominent for sure is one of the guys we already mentioned Jose Aldo mm-hmm. and his matchup against uh, Conor McGregor which yeah, built absolutely. up for years and I remember, I remember we watched that as well, that that match. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And, yeah, yeah having uh, just being with a – I remember that that was one of the, the fights where we had a, a ton of people with us and yes. just a room full of people completely stunned and obviously arguments going back and forth or debates going back and forth between who would win and yeah. how it would happen. And, yeah. Uh, nobody saw that being, being such a fast knockout. No, so. no, no, no one did, especially – and just the just, – just all the overall hype around mm-hmm. it yeah it was and i think i think that's a thing too just a narrative i think that's one thing that when people like i mean mcgregor's brand is so uh i guess is so i guess blown up at, at this point yeah. but i think 
uh, just remembering him like what what he could do is really make you care about his narrative, which absolutely. is which is absolutely what makes him extremely su- successful. Yeah. So and, and, and yeah. I saw Conor McGregor fight in Vegas before he was headlining. Uh, right. I went to uh, MGM uh, right after I graduated college. Uh, I went yeah. with my dad and saw a fight where he fought uh, Dustin Poirier. Right. He fought Dustin Poirier. Yeah. It was a card where Demetrius Johnson headlined yeah. against uh, Chris Carriasso. Yes. Of all people. Yeah. And, very. Yeah. What and why is the fight with division <laughs> yeah. going? Uh, yeah, yeah. amazing when you think about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, but but no, uh, obviously the crowd was there for Conor McGregor, but yes. he was that was his first big test of the time, and just yeah. seeing an entire yeah, he was know, co-main. What was he co-main? Wasn't was even he... co-main. Oh, that's right. He was, yeah, Alvarez that's right. And uh, Donald and Cerrone, Cerrone, Cerrone was the co-main. co-main. Yeah, but the entire crowd was there for yeah. for McGregor. It was just filled with Irish people who uh, showed up just before the McGregor fight. A lot of them left after, after the McGregor, McGregor fight, fight. and yeah. they were. Uh, the entire the entire week were singing in the streets, um, you know, waving flags everywhere. Uh, and uh, my last name being Murphy, we had all kinds of problems with the hotel desk <laughs> because there were so many people with with our names, uh, my yeah. dad's name uh, in particular. We had so many people with that specific name that we yeah. couldn't even get sorted out. So was it was it like John Murphy or something? Or, yeah, uh, yeah, David Murphy. David so, Murphy. So just uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, there was quite a few people by that name checked into the hotel, yeah. so a lot of a lot of mistakes were made. Uh, but but yeah, just a, a massive Irish contingent even before anybody really, like people you know had opinions of whether McGregor was good. I certainly had bought into the narrative that McGregor was a legit fighter at that point, but he really hadn't been tested. Yeah. Yeah, because let's see, because he had been, because let's see who they fought before that, because he had fought Brandau. I think he yeah. fought Swanson already because Swanson. I mean, no, not Swanson. Uh, Holloway. Holloway, because yeah. that, that's when he tore his ACL. Holloway was his second mm-hmm. fight. Um, his yeah, his first, first fight was Brimage. Brimage, yeah. yeah. And I think those. I might be forgetting one, but I, I want to say those were the the three that he had had before. I'm pretty then. sure. I'm pretty sure that's the three he had because I because I remember because he had fought Brimage, looked impressed. Brimage has been like on the receiving end of like <laughs> yeah. many people's coming out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, Garbrandt, yeah. And Rivera. Yeah, Garbrandt, Rivera, and McGregor. Just yeah. like oh man, just bad timing. And then because yeah, I remember he fought Brimage, it came out. You know that was that yeah. that was all big. The 50 G speech, and yeah. then he fought. Swanson in Boston, I remember oh, that. Oh yeah, Holloway in Boston. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah, I kept saying Swanson, but yeah, Holloway in Boston. It took a year, like, to because he tore his ACL, mm-hmm. and Holloway was nowhere near where he was like at that time. Because no. I think, if anything, I think he might have been on. Is that a losing? Streak? No, I don't think a losing streak. But... I, I think that started his losing streak. Yeah. I want to say he lost a really iffy decision. He lost his yeah, right, the Bermudas right like that. yeah, right after that, and then that's when he began his his long mm-hmm. win streak that continued. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's, yeah, no, that 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 is, yeah, kind of the shift of when Conor McGregor, like entered like every, I guess not every, but entered more of a more of a mainstream because I think that was his first because I remember, uh, I think Brimage was like a was a pre, either a prelim or at least or maybe even like a fight yeah, night. I, I want to say it was a prelim on Fuel TV. Yeah, at the yes, time. yes, back when they were showing fights on Fuel TV. Or Fuel TV was yeah. even a thing. Yeah. Because Fuel TV was used to be Fox, or is that did they convert that? I think it. I think, I think it think. used to be Fox Sports Two or something like that. Like yeah. It was, it was one of the like very low tier Fox low-tier stations. Fox channels, yeah. And then, okay, then I remember, yeah, because and I know the Holloway one was also Fight Night or something mm-hmm. like that, Fight Night yeah. Boston. And I want to say yeah. that was a prelim too, because I remember yeah. they did like the 
the whole light experience with McGregor where they they yeah. they dimmed the or they made the lights green and everything and I remember yeah. that being such a big deal for a prelim fight. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess that 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 is pretty exciting. It's just seeing a seeing a fighter come up like through the through through the ranks like that. What um I guess like other than the ones we mentioned already, I guess we mentioned, you know, some Mm-hmm. some prominent fighters some you know jose aldo fedor uh, conor mcgregor like, i guess what what other fighters or do, do you specifically recall that you just enjoyed their narrative or that you became like fans of them like watching the sport yeah. well the first one that comes to mind is korean zombie and part ah, of that is yes. because he fought uh last weekend yes and, uh when you talk... It, talk about things that you'd never expect coming Ab- yeah. absolutely i mean yeah. that and that fight with yair rodriguez is a perfect example of you know the difference between a narrative within a fight and a narrative outside a fight because mm-hmm. uh i was i've been a fan of korean zombie since the wec days he was one yes. of the fighters that uh, i remember just tuning into some of those wec cards and remembering his name because he he knew how to brand himself that name is super catchy walking yeah. out to the, the cranberry song and uh, having that the logo on his shirt and yeah. I, you know that was the first uh, MMA shirt I ever bought which I think is true for probably a lot of people um, yeah because that was just such such a distinct logo um, and and then remembering that every time he fought it was going to be something special mm-hmm. like he was he was in so many action fights and and then uh, you know recently with the Yair Rodriguez fight it's like here's this this up-and-coming prospect who had hit kind of a tailspin against Frankie Edgar and had been out a while and had all the contractual uh, like issues, issues, yeah, with the UFC like or like, right? yeah, which is real confusing. Like, is yeah, he going absolutely. to come botch or like, yeah. what's what's happening? Uh, yeah, abso- absolutely. Yeah. and and you know, and and Korean Zombie has obviously been out for significant amounts of time as well with yeah. his injuries and military service, and so and so going in, there was a compelling narrative where you know you weren't really sure what was going to happen in that fight between two guys who I really like to watch and two very exciting fighters, and then of course the narrative within that fight of just all of the the twists and turns and back and forth uh, action going on and mm-hmm. change the momentums culminating in a fight that Korean Zombie was winning and then rushing him in the last few seconds and yeah. getting knocked out with uh, just a, a Hail Mary move yes. with, with one second left. Uh, but, but to answer your question, Korean Zombie was, was someone, because of all of his action fights, because mm-hmm. of the, the twister early on in the UFC, his fights yeah, with against Leonard Garcia. Yeah. Yep, and mm-hmm. his, his fights with Leonard Garcia yeah. and... Uh, the Dustin Poirier fight. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was a huge fan of, of him. Uh, I was a fan of Shogun in part because uh, uh, Tad was yeah. a huge fan of Shogun, so he was one what? of the fighters. Tad likes he pride. <laughs> no, I'm just I know, kidding. Believe yeah. it or not, he does. Uh, Tad likes pride and Japanese fighters. If you're a Japanese pride fighter, then Tad. Yeah. But Shogun was yeah. one of the odd fighters where you would you would be able to uh, like show highlights of him back in his heyday in Pride and then still be able to watch him do uh, pretty remarkable things in the UFC. Like yeah. Shogun's one of those fighters where yeah, because he was so young when yeah. in Pride. That's true. I remember that. Anyway, it's your your point. Yeah. Seeing, oh yeah. Yeah, seeing him in Pride and then able to translate some of that like. In, yeah, in the UFC. and and become yeah. a pretty different fighter. Like Shogun yeah. today is a much is a much better boxer, a much trickier fighter than he was back in the Pride days, where he mm-hmm. was just this all out vicious fighter who was using stomps and a lot of the uh, a lot of the the different rule sets that you would see in Pride to his advantage. Yes, yeah, that that's really what the shooter box was known for. Well, the very well one the very aggressive Muay Thai, and then of course the soccer kicks and foot stomps, which were prominent. And pride, or a lot, also allowed in pride. Yeah. 
yeah i guess i guess that's an interesting caveat i guess like the evolution of not just fighters but i guess of like techniques themselves so i yeah, guess absolutely. what so yeah what would you say i mean clearly the the talent level has has risen since you know you mm-hmm. started watching but i guess like what are some uh I guess what are some trends or what's what do you think is like the bit what do you think is one of the biggest differences i guess watching mma like modern as opposed to when you started i, I think the most obvious one is that it's much more of, of a striking sport today than it was when i started watching particularly yes. in terms of traditional martial arts yeah uh, you see a lot of people whether it's um the first one you know, could because we talked about conor mcgregor yeah uh, is, is a great example of that but uh, I, I can think of just guys like Kyoji Horiguchi, Justin yes. Scoggins, yeah. um, and Wonder Boy Thompson. Well, abs- absolutely, yeah. uh, Israel Adesanya yeah. is, is Rob, an up and Robert Whitaker as well. And, yeah. Yep, uh, who have who are strikers and oftentimes very traditional strikers. And we mentioned a couple of karate fighters in there yeah. um, who have learned how to how to do that in a way where they can stop takedowns with largely their footwork it seems like yes. like they don't they don't need to they, they don't spend a lot of time uh, on the fence yeah and uh obviously when i started watching back in 2009 you saw it's easy to say a lot more grappling but you saw yeah. a lot more a lot more uh the, the idea of a pure striker or yeah. someone who would spend as much time as, you know, as some of the fighters we mentioned or yeah. uh on the feet was like that, that that was kind of silly to think about like all of, sure. almost all of the champions were people were either they would do it all or they were primarily wrestlers or you know you would have occasionally someone like Leota Machida who was more yeah. of a more of a traditionalist but largely it would be much more well-rounded fighters it seemed like and now yeah. now the type of th- when I think of a, a well-rounded fighter oftentimes it is someone who is a specialist in their own area but can defend against everything else yeah that's no that's true i think especially just the 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 school of striking is definitely different because uh, or what a striker is because i guess like striking like 10 10 years ago was pretty rudimentary it was mm-hmm. especially like as far as takedown defense like it was just the classic chuck liddell like sprawl and brawl absolutely essentially and it's it's very it's very yeah very very different like what a what a high what counts as a high level mma striker nowadays mm-hmm. like from there yeah, like you would never see anybody throwing the kinds of the kinds of spin kicks or wheel kicks or, yeah. uh, you know, obviously it was a, a huge deal when Anderson Silva, uh, you know, he threw, knocked, threw a front yeah. kick, uh, against, yeah. you know, front kick to the head against Vitor Belfort. But nowadays we, you know, we see that every so often. But yeah. even less flashy techniques like double jabs and yes, um, yeah, there's a jab in general. Yeah, yeah. honestly, <laughs> yeah. yes, honestly, a, jab, yeah. a jab in general. You see yeah. a lot more jabs in MMA today than, than you used to. Yes. You used, you used to see a lot of um. Anytime I see a fighter where they're where they're throwing a left hand then a right hand, left hand then a right hand, that reminds me of a lot of MMA or just a random UFC fighter that I would see in 2009. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's just just in that level, it's very uh. Yeah, it's very. I guess it's it's pretty eye opening because you kind of you you kind of forget. But uh, yeah, especially just watching. I mean, just watching like old fights, you realize, oh wait, yeah, the the skill levels was just different. Like mm-hmm. back. I mean, I guess W W C there was it was a it was an interesting collection because there happened to just be like a large amount of fighters who ended up being very relevant. Like yeah, to even modern day. I mean, we we listed a bunch of them right, like Jose Aldo, Cub Swanson. A Korean zombie just fought in the in the main event. Um, 
you have like a lot of hell even donald cerrone and yep. anthony pettis same card, and, yeah same card yeah we're all all, all still relevant fighters, which just shows like the talent level that they happen to have. But yeah, it's different. Um, yeah, it's like there's definitely yeah the striking has definitely has definitely changed a lot, and I think yeah I think it does it does go to that footwork, and I think it's just um yeah it's just it's just way more layered as far as uh as far as I guess because the, the grappling I guess cause I think a big part of it how I would see it is the grappling part isn't much of a mystery. No. anymore because it used to be i mean that, that 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 was the biggest that was the biggest thing like that was one of the things that the ufc was known when early days like for coming out like oh the importance of grappling but then once i get it's it's like come it comes in waves like for sure like once that wave of oh hey like i guess we realize what we should we should actually learn how to do this ground fighting thing submissions yeah. are legitimately rare now yes like donald cerrone uh yeah. caught mike perry in, in an armbar i believe yeah. last weekend when was the last time you saw an armbar in the ufc yeah i mean probably only a hand like i mean there, there are some cards when i don't even see a submission yeah absolutely like, happen but... yeah unless it's like heavyweight and is someone yeah. getting ezekiel choke but, that, yeah. that, that, that's but, true yeah. Alex, alexi yeah. like you probably yeah. Not surprise me if in the time where Alexi Olenek um, uh, has been in the UFC, the yeah. num- the difference between the number of Ezekiel chokes and arm bars in the UFC is probably smaller than most people think. For sure, I would say yeah, I would wager that really the most yeah the most submissions you're either gonna see is either at heavyweight or I'm trying to think or maybe I'd say women's strawweight. Yeah, win- women's yeah. would probably be yeah. a, a lot more because it yeah. is a much more grappling centric division or it, the ball all those divisions are more grappling centric. For sure. And I guess like I think I think that's a good thing to talk about like skill level wise because heavyweight of course is like in the prehistoric ages of like skill level. It's like I feel like well, you all, can still All those yeah. fighters are, are literally prehistoric. Are literally prehistoric. Yes. Yeah. Like pretty much all the fighters that were relevant in yeah. 2009 are still fighting it, yes. in, at, yes. at heavyweight. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I th- and then on the, on the caveat or on the other hand of that, there's I guess there's like the women's division which is fairly new and like you said more grappling centric. Mm-hmm. It is more like what MMA was like in the like 10 years ago. Yeah, it like is. from there. Yeah, as Evol- as, yeah. evolving quickly, but yes, but yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure, evolving quickly, but still, yeah, more, I guess, grappling, more, more grappling centric. And I'd say, I'd say maybe I think I think a large pool of that, or how I would attribute that, is just in terms of uh, just less, I guess, athletic talent. I would say, or it's in terms of like size pool wise. I feel like it's just more an an athlete is just more likely to be found like in would end up finding themselves in like a in i guess in the in like either the light in in like the men's weight classes i don't know yeah. how best to say this but when we look at the know, difference yeah. between when uh, a fighter is signed to either the ufc or bellator or a major promotion uh in the women's divisions compared to the men's divisions and you can get signed to those promotions within a couple of fights if you're someone who is a supremely athletic fighter or someone who can finish in the women's divisions, you have a very high chance of being signed within a couple of fights because yeah. you show that kind of talent. You should be snatched up by those promotions. Like yeah. the, that kind of talent, uh, if you're showing that already, you should be fighting uh, relatively good competition right yeah. away. And uh, you know, if you're if you're bidding for those kinds of fighters, you need to go and, and get that, or you need to go and be and be bidding on that type of talent. Mm-hmm. But if you're in lightweight, for example, men's lightweight. You know, if you're if you're four fights into your career, there is no way that the UFC is going to sign you if you're if like, you're a light. Pretty pretty rare. 
Yeah. Like exceptionally rare, unless you're unless you're fighting CM Punk or something. Exactly, fighting CM Punk or I know you're Sage Northcutt or yeah, and even they, Sage Northcutt. I want to say was had it more like than eight four or something. I think yeah, I want to say like had seven or eight fights. Like, like he that. he obviously yeah. was very green, but yeah. but even you know even Sage Northcutt uh, was was such a. And I'm glad you brought up Sage Northcutt yeah. because Sage Northcutt is someone where if he was a heavyweight or or in the women's divisions or in a just a, a division that was less populated. Sage Northcutt would not have looked nearly as bad. Oh, no, for sure. I, honestly, like, if, yeah, the way you said, like, he would be a title contender, really, if he was a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Prob- I mean, probably, yeah. because you look at yeah. the problems that he had, his, his biggest issue was that he would get pinned up against the fence, he would get mm-hmm. taken down, uh, he just was not, he was not developed. He was a supremely athletic fighter who was relying yeah. almost entirely on athleticism. athleticism. Yeah. And you look at where a lot of the mid-tier and above fighters are in some of the, in some of the weaker divisions, and that's... You, you can go pretty far with that. You look at top 10 light heavyweights, and yeah. they're, they're, you know, Ovin St. Preux is a fighter who relies a lot on athleticism, or at yeah. least for a lot of his career he did. Maybe not yeah. as much now, but but you would see fighters and, and prospects who are able to rise. You look at some of the young heavyweights there. There, Francis Ngannou is a great example yeah. of someone who is young incredibly heavyweight green. Young heavyweight 30. Yeah, yeah. Young, young heavyweight yeah. 30. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is young and heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not 40 yet? You got plenty of time. But you yeah. don't but you don't have to but if you're if you're a lightweight everybody who is signed to the UFC in lightweight and welterweight is going to face stiff wrestling tests on the regional scene because there's For so sure. many people who know how to wrestle there. If you're a heavyweight, good luck finding a, a heavyweight who can wrestle on the regional scene who hasn't been picked up exactly. by the UFC within a couple of fights and same yeah. in the women's divisions. Yes. Yeah. I know, yeah, that 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 is an inter- yeah, I guess that I guess the town is fair. I guess in I guess yeah, just town pools like for for there. Yeah, it's it's a, like, it's a much different size, and I and I think that's why uh, we say the women's divisions is is growing fairly rapidly. Why we have a you know a fight coming up like Yuani and Jacek and Valentina Shevchenko, yes. which is a, a an inc- extremely compelling fight in my for opinion. Sure. Uh, that you know was not something that I think we would have thought of, or that level of competition I think we would have thought of you know within five years ago in women's oh, yeah. divisions. That um, that would not have been possible for sure, or I guess um, it would yeah, especially that town level. Is, yeah. Because a division like strawweight is is growing pretty rapidly, the talent pool is increasing quite a bit. For sure. Yeah. And I think and I think it's interesting too, just like how it's uh, I guess how let, let, like you said how the talent pool is developing in terms of like the striking aspect. Because mm-hmm. I feel especially with the women's division, a lot of those a lot of those fighters are uh, had specialties like in other like for example like the two women you mentioned. Joanna Jacek and Valentina Shevchenko both were Muay Thai yeah. like and kickboxing based, but then happened like MMA is just happened to be a more profitable sport and that's what made had the had them made the move to, yeah. to MMA and I think that's happening, I guess on just 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 on both sides like you have like you have I guess like the on the one like the Mackenzie Derns who mm-hmm. who are heavily grappling and then realize oh there's more. There's more to have in MMA, and then this on the other side, the like striking. Oh, there's there's just more for for MMA. Which, definitely. Yeah, which is definitely caused like a, an influx of talent for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And and in the men's divisions, you would see that very early on with so many wrestlers who would, yes. who would wrestle in high school. You know, yeah. the, the very select few would wrestle in the Olympics. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, well, you know, what do you what do you do with the skill after that? Yeah. MMA is the very clear is a very clear answer, but. 
you know, high schools are, are generally not going to have, you know, women's wrestling specifically. It's yeah. you know, wrestling with men most of the time. And so you're going to have a much smaller pool to draw from in terms of just in terms of just women who, who grew up wrestling or doing some sort of traditional martial arts. And mm-hmm. so you're and so you're not going to have as many people who who naturally are going to find MMA. And I think now because MMA for women is becoming more profitable, you're seeing exactly that where yes. you're seeing female kickboxers and female boxers, you know, uh, Heather Hardy in Bellator, who has, yeah. had, who has had mixed results. But, yeah, but, but she is, was a professional boxer and yeah. then went over. And is yeah. an exceptional boxer and obviously yeah. Hall, you know, Holly Holm in the, in the UFC yeah. uh, coming over and finding MMA more profitable for them. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, well, since we're talking about women's MMA, I mean, there was a pretty prominent figure that I would say was pivotal in, like, making, in making it into the UFC. So, like, what are your... What are your thoughts on, I guess, yeah, because when did, because when did Ronda fight, was that like 20, was it 2013? I think it was fairly like, like within that. five years, 20, like 2013, 2013, 20, yeah, sounds like that. Yeah, and it's really, I guess, yeah, the women's division just in that, in that span of time has really looked so, so much more different. Yeah. Like, it really, yeah, just in those five years, it's grown easily as much, it's, getting to the point where it's almost right up where i'd say not not quite yet but it's it's looking pretty comparable to where i guess men's men's mma is right Mm -hmm. now so yeah i guess what do you um yeah because didn't didn't you have a didn't you have a project that involved or a school project that involved like mixed martial arts i did Yeah. yeah um when i was in college i i took a i i did a program in college about art theory and i uh, wrote about mixed martial arts, and I know that the obvious connection to that would be like, you know, is mixed martial arts an art? But mm-hmm. I, I wanted to dive deeper than that. My my project was essentially assu- it was like, let's assume mixed martial arts is an art, and then mm-hmm. let's critique it as an art. Let's mm-hmm. let's uh, look at various various aspects and theories of art theory, and then apply it to MMA. And it actually like it worked really well as a as a school project because it allowed me to. Uh, show that I understood the, the material because mm-hmm. I could be like, okay, here's all these different authors I've, I've read and then let's apply it to something that uh, no one else has really applied it to. So yeah. so for me, it was great because I had to talk about something I love, but then also uh, show show my professors, hey, I'm, I really understand this work that I'm reading. And so, uh, but but yeah, I actually used uh, the first Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate fight as an example of, oh, back of that. Oh, back in Strikeforce? Yeah, yeah. Back, back in Strikeforce yeah. as, as, one of the, as one of the fights that I used. Um, for for one aspect of the project and really like looking at uh really kind of diving diving deep into uh uh specific specifically if you look at kind of that fight frame by frame and mm-hmm. looking at it as a as as a piece of art what's what's going on in this uh and there's there's a lot there there's a, a lot has been written about art theory believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> what okay and then uh, I guess what what are some of the I guess one of the, what are some of the big points that that you had specifically like in art concerning that fight? Yeah. Um. Well, so so in in general, one of the one of the things that I that I drew from is there, there's a scholar named Lewis Hyde who uh, wrote it used to write about or had a had a book um, about uh, folklore and 
specifically he talked about tricksters in folklore. And one thing that he talked about was uh, tricksters and trackers. And his argument was that tricksters and trackers were essentially a metaphor for literature and the way that the way that we engage with with literature, that Hmm. that writers are tricksters and readers are trackers. And so and so uh, as as writers write, they are trying to essentially make a story or write a story and write folklore that is going to that is going to uh, have some sort of some sort of uh tricks for lack of a better term uh but are are going to make the reader think and that's how drama works that's how that's how uh uh that that's that's just that's how um right the the relationship between between reading and writing works is you're trying to engage in something that you that where you don't know what's you don't know what's going to happen coming Mm. up okay and um, what I what I looked at is like okay so if you think of the MMA as an art piece how does that relationship work between fighters and fighting is is interesting in that regard because essentially if, if fighters are artists and they're trying to and they're critiquing their art which is something that I've I've heard from fighters that they that they fight to not in necessarily those terms but they um, but they critique their skills yeah that they go in and they're trying to they're trying to test their skills against an opponent and that's one of the reasons that that people fight is essentially they're acting as both a trickster and a and a tracker that they're trying to yeah. read their opponent while also trick their opponent mm-hmm. and and that that's um and that you basically have to do both of those things in fighting because if you're not tricking your opponent you're not providing any sort of offense you're essentially not doing anything yeah uh but if you're not tracking your opponent you're at risk of getting knocked out you're running yeah. in you're doing the korean zombie you're running yeah. in and you're not uh, not uh, fully cognizant of what your opponent is doing and yeah. you're getting hit by an upward elbow and getting yeah. knocked out and so I, I talked about that in relationship to the to the Misha Tate and and Ronda Rousey fight as far as uh, just some subtle moves that, that Rousey was doing as far as like at one point in the fight she was using uh, ground and pound not for the purpose of actually trying to knock Misha Tate out she mm-hmm. wasn't throwing this hard ground and pound trying to finish her with those strikes she was trying to set up an arm bar mm-hmm. she was trying to annoy Misha Tate trying to get Misha Tate uh, to divert her attention, trying to get Misha Tate to to basically put her arm in a place where she could grab onto it. She was tricking Misha Tate mm-hmm. into putting her arm in a, disad- a disadvantageous position so she could set up her next move. But at times, Rousey would also, uh, with some of her inexperience in MMA, would leave herself open. She was not tracking what Misha Tate was doing. Mm-hmm. And so Misha Tate would find, would find ways to escape because that was the first fight where we saw Rousey not just immediately get an arm bar. Yeah. And we would see scrambles where Tate would stand back up and on the feet, Rousey would would get, uh, you know, pretty pretty pieced up by Misha Tate yeah, at times. Yeah, standing up. Yeah. So was and so that's kind of an example of what I of what I would talk about in, in that fight and in, in, uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I think well mentioning, I definitely agree with that trickster tracker uh, comparison, especially like in MMA. And I think that's interesting how you brought up that fight. Or especially just the notions in that fight, because if anything, that's really a microcosm mm-hmm. for for Rousey's career, especially just how it how how it went down, that she was just able, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily cover up her deficiencies. I guess she she kind of did. She yeah. like her strengths really were able to overwhelm the people that it could affect, and then her deficiencies were just very prominent when the when it just became really well known what she yeah. was good at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after it's interesting you mention that because after college, I tried for a little bit to write about MMA. Yeah. I like I kind of 
stopped I stopped doing that within a year, but I, I tried for a little bit to write about MMA, and one of the pieces I did write was a a piece that was not a not not a full on pick for Holly Holm. Uh, yeah. I want to be very clear. I did not pick Holly Holm to be Ronda Rousey, yeah. but 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 it was a piece. Price saying, knows. But, but, yeah. you know, but, um, but it was yeah. a piece saying. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it, I think it was titled something of like Rousey versus Holm putting a dent in perfection is what I called it. I, I think I and do it, remember I remember that. And, yeah. it, and it was basically looking at those fighters and saying here is kind of the illusion that we have towards Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Here is what what she does well, and here is why I think Holly Holm is going to. It wasn't even centered around give her problems, although that was kind of the crux of it. But it yeah. was how it, it was kind of a, a piece that was targeted towards a lot of towards people who don't watch as much MMA and yeah. people who I knew were going to be interested in that fight because yeah. it was Ronda Rousey yeah. and saying she is going to look different in this fight because Holly Holm is going to piece her up. Yeah. Because we are so used to at the time seeing Ronda Rousey charge into the clinch, being physically dominant towards her opponents, mm-hmm. fighting fighting people who don't who are don't have the tools to be able to circle off of her. Yeah. And she's able to bull rush them into the clinch. And as she's added just very small adjustments, like um, you know, being able to add just a small jab where opponents will throw an over, will bite on that and throw an overhand right, and she can get them into the clinch through that. Um, she's she's been able to knock people out even faster, throw them even faster, put them in the clinch even faster, and from there it's it's all over. And uh, this was a fight where just on paper it didn't make any sense for Holly Holm to immediately be bull rush. She was too physically strong. She yeah. had, uh, she was she had too uh, good of footwork, I guess, for lack of a better term. But she came from a boxing I, background. I guess, where, I guess better footwork definitely than the opponents that she was used to. Yeah, yeah. She she and she was a southpaw, so she yes. wasn't she wasn't going to you know obviously step in and throw an overhand right when Rousey when Rousey yeah. jabbed like yeah. just just from. Uh, just from the the pure dynamics of the fight, it was going to be a tougher battle for Rousey to get there. And Rousey at that point, like keep in mind that at that point that was when Joe Rogan was starting to call Rousey a world class striker, and that was yeah. kind of at the the build up of where yeah. where everybody was starting to talk about Rousey as a knockout artist. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, whoa, knock out Betchko, yeah. 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 Like, let's take a step back. She's not going to look like a world class striker in this fight. She yeah. probably will get it done. But she'll get pieced up doing it, and mm-hmm. of course, obviously, she didn't get much done at all in that fight. No, but yeah, no, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you're not necessarily picking home, but I think just dispelling the mystique about, yeah, because you know there there was just a lot of, uh, yeah, there was just a lot of hyperbole about R- Rousey at the time, but yeah. especially that world world class striking, and. But then, you know, that, that that's so relative, I guess. It's like one of those catch-all terms. Like, what what is, what is world-class striking? You know, from there, and I, I yeah. guess it is relative, I guess. I, I mean, because for her, I guess for her era, her striking wasn't horrible. No. For sure. And then. No, she was yeah. she was knocking people out. A lot of yeah. that was because she had a supreme athleticism. Supreme athleticism. Her yeah, opponents, for but, sure. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, that that was, but I think, but definitely, I think just the Rousey effect had influenced like a lot of women coming into MMA, for sure. And it's uh, I guess it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I guess like speaking of other narratives, like I guess well, what are other uh, what are other fights or I guess fighters that that stay prominent in your memory that we haven't mentioned yet? Hmm. Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um... 
Well, right now, the one that the one that comes to mind because uh, I will say I will say right now I've not been as invested in MMA narratives lately. I think yeah. that in the last year and a half, the UFC kind of since WMA WME purchased it. Yeah. Um, I think that they've had a, a more difficult time building narratives to to people like me who want uh, the more the more traditional contender rises yeah. hierarchy of a division. Some of the things I talked about with the reasons why I got into the sport a lot that's not quite as there as, as much. It's a lot more about draws now. It's a lot more about um, a lot more about interim champions and instant rematches. And yeah. it's it's not quite as it's it's not it's not quite as clear cut as it used to be. And so I and so when I think about like a modern fighter that, that I am invested in their narrative is uh, Israel Adesanya is ah, someone yes. that I, I like yeah. quite a bit. And some of that was because uh, I for a very brief period of time tried to get into kickboxing. I think yeah. I couldn't yeah. I yeah. will say straight up, I, I could not. I found I found kickboxing to be uh, not nearly as exciting as, as MMA and boxing. It's very um, it's very European. It is very it, European. It's it's the thing. I that's the thing I can most equate it to. It's very, um, I mean not 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 to. It's it is. It's like for football or like European. It's yes. like it's that that that's that's the audience I believe it's geared towards to, and I yeah. think that's why it stayed so prominent in Europe because. Really, that's how it's just—it's yes. just it's, how it's a—it's—it's uh, it's a package. Very, it's yeah. a very Dutch style. It's yeah. very like a lot of fighters are the same, which is one yeah. of the reasons why why Adesanya stood out to me because yes. at that time uh, when I was trying to get into Glory, uh, kickboxing, Adesanya was fighting for a title. To be completely honest, I don't even remember who he was fighting for a title against. It was whatever yeah. the champion was at that. Yeah, I think it was like middleweight something yeah. with the title. Yeah. Um, and and he lost the fight, did, but yeah. But uh, I remember just just his the types of the types of wild strikes that he was doing yeah. combined with uh obviously very uh very good timing and you know doubling and tripling up on tri- tripling up on his jabs really light footwork mm-hmm. um he was he was a great example of a very for lack of a better term technical striker but someone who clearly knew what he was doing who would throw in a lot of wild techniques he wasn't yeah. the the prototypical like mma fighter like the, the yair rodriguez kind of thing where yeah. like he's doing all these wild techniques and uh and i love that and find that exciting yeah. but but it's hiding some but it's hiding a, a lack of fundamentals yeah adesanya was someone who had all of these fundamentals and then would add uh all of these all these more uh ridiculous and kind of an eye eye catching techniques mm-hmm. on top of it yeah and so that was something that in in a landscape of kickboxing where a lot of people had very similar styles at least yeah. at least to me to kind of an untrained eye yeah. uh, that really stood out and then to see him kind of at a young age go into mma have the kind of success that he has and have very clear uh very a very clear progression from fight to fight where his yeah. first fight you saw that he was having trouble getting off of the fence it was all within this year but yeah, yeah exactly yeah. which is which yeah. is wild to think about yeah uh but he but then but then now you know people can't even get him to the fence it's very yeah. difficult to even and to he's even facing much better competition yeah too. i mean yeah. Derek brunson is is a guy who when he when he when he loses he looks bad yeah but he's a very good fighter he takes he takes yeah. a lot of high level fighters down and will yeah. and will knock out most mid-tier fighters for sure yes and um and i think i think that's very interesting like from there i think adesanya and I think just in general, I guess to take a step, just looking at kickboxing, it's interesting to me anyway, just knowing like, the history of it, seeing how really Dutch, for some reason, the Dutch style didn't really translate into uh, MMA that well as mm-hmm. far as like the fighters. Like I'm thinking, um, I mean, Gokhan Saki. Yeah. But um, I think 
it's just something about it I feel really relies on the on one the rules of kickboxing specifically like the really big gloves and it's interesting to me how the people that translate it have been mainly um fighters from that haven't been from the the, the netherlands that yeah, really did well in mma thinking crow cop yeah i'm thinking for some reason i don't know australia and new zealand they produce like these good or uh, for some for one reason or another guys that then translated it into mma because i know adesanya trains in i believe new zealand or something like that or yeah like, i'm that... not i think he does yeah. yeah i know i know that he yeah. uh, lives there currently yeah. so i believe he trains there i know him and dan hooker are on the same team and then mm-hmm. also like another old one mark hunt well yeah. who's still relevant i mean yeah. i'm pro Cro- cop and mark hunt both did fight this year so that's true yeah <laughs> somehow well, yeah. amazingly yeah somehow amazingly but yeah whereas it's hard for me to really think of somebody that was um that translated well, I guess, <laughs> Alistair Overeem. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 I, I, but I well, think I he was an MMA, but I feel, that's the thing, it's hard to tell, like, what came first, because he was an MMA fighter first, mm-hmm. who happened to be Dutch, and then happened to do, that's... Uh, Overeem's it's, career yeah. would take an entire podcast to For to sure, just about. to, yeah, He's, to dissect, yeah. Yeah. Just... But still, he's one of the most interesting men to to be a part of MMA. It's yeah, and it's interest. Yes, for sure. Just his story, and then the way his fights go down. Like I said, I've never seen somebody grab defeat from the jaws yes. of victory, just like like Alistair Overeem. But yeah, anyway, yeah, no. Uh, more over time on the Sunday. Yeah, his. Yeah, but I think that's the thing when you talk about narratives. It's yeah, it's the way that the UFC's been doing it, it's, and it's nothing, it's nothing really, I don't know, I guess the matchups, I guess, could be, like, how Adis, uh, helped Adesanya, but I feel like a lot of it really is, like, oh, they, something he did on his own. Yeah. He went out of his way to really create, create his narrative, and made, made himself, uh, I guess, uh, accessible to the people. Yeah. And then his story, uh, yeah, people just are aware of him like from there and i think that's pretty rare like nowadays there's just so many which is funny to think because there's just so many uh volume of mma that you think that you would that more that by by the numbers thing that you just happen to know more fighters but i feel that the opposite is true like i I feel like no i know less fighters than 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 i did when i started i absolutely know like i know i know more fighters now than when i started in 2009 but but at my peak in the you know 2015 2014 kind of of years i certainly know less fighters now than i did back then and and I think Adesanya is unique because he's both a unique fighter in the cage with with his kickboxing background yeah. and uh, just some of the things we talked about. He doesn't fight like anybody else in MMA currently. Yes. Uh, and then he's a unique personality outside of the cage. The way that he carries himself on the mic, the way that he yeah. the way that he conducts himself in in uh, interviews on MMA shows afterwards mm-hmm. is is very unique and and compelling. He can carry a conversation and mm-hmm. has a he, he has a great story, but is also a naturally funny person. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, he's, and you alluded to this, he's fighting all the time. Yes. Which is, which is a huge thing. I mean, you know, Donald Cerrone fought last week, uh, to bring him up again. Yeah. He's someone who's the, the prototypical answer for, you know, who, who fights the most in MMA. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he solidified the, that win because he has the most wins in the UFC history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and most finishes as well in terms of exciting and also, I guess, volume of fights yeah. as well. I mean, Korean Zombie, as you mentioned, 
uh, had just a myriad of injuries, and then mm-hmm. also as well as the military service, which just kept him out of the public yeah. eye. There. And a huge, yeah. huge reason why people know Cerrone is that that same kind of combination. He has yeah. that as well, where unique, unique fighting style or exciting fighting style, mm-hmm. unique personality out of the cage, and then also just fights all the time. And so, and so you remember him, and you remember that personality and that fighting style. And mm-hmm. Adesanya right now is on track to do that same sort of thing. Just the more, the more that you're in there, the more people remember you. You have to, you have to show yourself to an audience because people are not going to go and try to find you and. It's harder and harder than ever to actually even even if you're trying, it's harder and yeah. harder than ever to actually find who you want. If anything, the volume of the events make makes it harder to stand out. Yeah. If you fight, if you don't fight that often, I guess um, one, I guess speaking of fighters that fight and like pretty often, I mean one one that I do know, and I I know you're a fan of him as well, is fighting soon Max Holloway. Yes, that's has a been, great. It's a great example of that as he roses way, and I guess. Almost, I, don't know, I want to, I guess, kind of unique example, because while Cowboy was, you know, well known, he is his success in the top tier has been has been mixed. Yeah. Like he's, well, I guess not mixed. He's typically just struggled against the top, arguably like top five. Mm-hmm. He's he's he struggled with. Whereas Hallway has been able to rise like through the ranks and you know is currently a champion. I mean, face some health scares for sure. Yeah. I mean that we're still Very not quite scary. sure. Sure, but as far as his like rise, it's pretty um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm always like surprised like why Holloway isn't more popular because he than, yeah. than he should be. But I feel that's uh, especially I, mainstream. Like man. yeah, I, I think some of that is yeah. just that even though he was fighting all the time, it was yeah. on so many different platforms. Like yes. he kind of he kind yeah. of fought at the crux where yeah. you had UFC Fight Pass, you had yeah. uh you know UFC on Fox, you had pay per views, yeah, and he was also on prelims a lot. And yeah, so, and he was on Facebook prelims a lot. I remember yeah. back then. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, he won all of these it fights is in what a it row, is. but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, he's fighting all these different cupcakes. Yeah, all these uh, cupcakes. More cupcakes. But, but so oh so for me, it's like I've I've loved Max Holloway, yeah. and uh, and so I he was always a, a must a must watch fighter for me. For sure. But uh, but for a lot of people, he was just kind of a guy on a card and. Holloway, I think now you're starting to see a much more unique personality. But when he was coming up, um, I think I don't know if, as much as I love Max Holloway, I don't know if he necessarily uh, had the immediate kind of swagger that someone like Adesanya. Oh no, had. he he definitely so, did not have the charisma for sure. Yeah. Like, and now now he just exudes that kind of confidence. Maybe not to the level of someone like Adesanya, and he may not have you know the same the same kind of yeah. one liners. But like yeah. Holloway is obviously a supremely confident person who knows yeah. how to carry himself. Yeah. But uh, but at the time coming up, he was always you know I'll face who I face. He wasn't necessarily calling yeah. calling people out, and so I think it was a little bit harder for people to remember him, especially mm-hmm. moving from all of these different platforms. Yeah. Um, I think eventually people who were like following MMA like started to figure out that like this guy is really good and needs yeah. to be watched. But but I, I think just when you when you look at like pay per view draws in general, because we talk about Adesanya, I don't even know that us like I'm pretty confident Adesanya is obviously not a pay per view draw, and I don't know that even any of this is going to culminate in him actually being a pay per view draw. I have I to right be, to be to be completely honest with you, I have no idea how the UFC creates pay per view draws with their current climate. I have right. unless you're con unless they luck into another Conor McGregor who is just like an absolute genius at marketing himself exactly like, beyond the level of what of what you can imagine from a human being 
um, I have no idea how you how you get a pay per view star. That's the thing. It's hard it's hard to stabilize. Yeah, because it's it's, it's it, they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. That's that's yeah. the way I see. And then yeah, I mean McGregor is like such a single, um, I don't know, generational kind of thing. And then on yeah. the on the same token, I guess like that Ronda Rousey effect too was like mm-hmm. one of those. Uh, I mean the other big pay per view draw. Brock Lesnar, that's really, um, yeah, that's who, really like WWE. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Had a built-in yeah. fan base from WWE exactly. already, and and, yeah. a, and a built-in fan base who was used to to shelling out for pay-per-views. Exactly. They're they're used to that um, the pay-per-view market. Mm-hmm. Like from from there, I guess like who else like is a big pay-per-view? I guess GSP. But I think that's I mean that's yeah. the thing. It's arguable because, uh, is it is he really the draw? Is he is it just that he's been it so long and that. He just a, has a big Canadian fan base, cause like that's the thing. I don't yeah. think I don't think GSP would, if if you put him if you put him like ten years later, like if mm-hmm. he came out twenty fourteen, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I think, I think it's a unique in scenario. Right? Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah. the GSP Bisbing yeah. fight did well, but some of that was the intrigue of GSP had been gone for so long. Yeah. And, like if, if yeah. G, like if GSP was a, a f- champion who was fighting every three months, I'm honestly not sure that the GSP would in each of his fights be drawing that well. And I could be completely wrong about that, but I, just, I know there's I, angry Canadians listening yeah. right now. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, um, spitting I like, out their maple syrup. <laughs> I, I like GSP. I'm glad yeah. um, that fight with Bizing was yeah. was a, a really exciting moment, one of the most exciting that MMA has had from a yeah. narrative standpoint in for a long sure. time. But. Uh, the yeah. most exciting cards for sure. Yes, that was a great uh, yeah, was la, la, three year. title fight card. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that, that was when Page beat Joanna. Yes. When uh, Dillashaw beat Garbrandt. Yeah. And then so it called three, me three titles yeah. changing hands. Three on titles changing hands yeah. in emphatic fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, definitely one of the one of the biggest cards I remember in memory. But yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, GSP. That's the thing. Yeah, it is. It is the. Oh, he ha- we haven't seen him, and how's he gonna look? Yeah, from there. And like yeah. John Jones is kind of like a, a mid-tier star. Like he's not gonna yeah. he's not gonna put up you know Connor numbers, but Jones does well, particularly. And I think it's kind of on the same token too. Like oh, Jones messed up again. Can yeah. he come back? Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, exactly. Oh no, Johnny, he messed up again. But can he come back? Yeah, John, John yeah. Jones always <laughs> finds his way into mainstream news. Yeah. Not for the right reasons. Not for the right but, reasons. But he gets no. his name out there. He does. That's it, like it's like the. <laughs> almost the epitome of no no press is bad press <laughs> yeah i mean in mma yeah. that's kind of true like yeah. very true i would say yeah well i mean we know we know all those bad press like i mean one that stands out of mine is the war machine bellator oh, about from prison that's so bad that uh, was that was one like yeah. uh being, being a fan of mma there there are definitely like MMA has its has its uh, problems, let's say as a sport. Yes. Um. There there yeah. are some more. I, I have moral questions about MMA. Uh. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh. And the War Machine advertisements and uh for for for, um, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember it like War Machine or who avoided uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thankfully, yeah. Uh, it was a long time ago. But War Machine, who is currently in jail for a long time. Yes. Uh. When he was in jail for uh, a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, Only assault. For, for, yeah. Yeah. Yes. For assaulting a woman. Yeah. Um. Was. Uh, signed by Bellator, and this was during the Bjorn Rebney era, and they ran advertisements trying to promote a welterweight tournament where War Machine's part of the ads where he was in jail... Uh, like threat, threatening to yeah, yeah talking on a phone in prison yeah. threatening to like he's going to imagine that that he that the fighter in front of him is the female judge who put him in there, and it's yeah. like 
that like on one hand that's a disgusting that's like on its on its own a disgusting promo to have but on the other hand like watching that made me think who are the people who who are like what what person looked at that and said yes this is who the demographic who watches this sport this is how we're going to attract them <laughs> to our product and why am i in this group of people yeah like like what does this say about me, what does that, this say about that, me? That, that, that i watched this product and granted to be fair i did not watch war machines fights in bellator i um i had no interest in watching war machine fight he was not even a particularly good fighter yeah uh but but yeah that that was that was maybe my biggest at the time look at look at mma and the way that it was marketed be like there's there's something there there's something kind of sick about the way that the way that some of this is is portrayed for sure and another one that comes in mind is the the jeff munson was it like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just so i remember that yeah hey like what, what do you say like seeing see people get, get fucked, fucked for, for free, free? Yeah. yeah i was like what is going yeah. on here yeah yeah, that's um, that's a little a little more silly. Like, yeah, it reminds me of yeah. uh, earlier this year there was some like, Russian promotion who ran like a, an obviously very very fake fight between like a man and a woman. Oh yeah, where, where yeah. It was, like yeah. like very obviously uh. pre pre recorded and like set up in someone's back like basement or something. But but it was just this whole this whole advertisement of like can this random dude beat a female MMA fighter and. You know, like that that stuff I, I kind of accept is going to happen because there there is definitely still a little bit of the mystique about MMA. It's it still is it still is a, sh- a sideshow to a certain extent. Yeah. But when you get up to the major promotions where it's Bellator and the UFC, I've always kind of took for granted how much the UFC markets violence, like specifically just raw violence, where they used to have you know a Roman gladiator as mm-hmm. their as their character, yeah. you know, walking like the like, pre thing, yeah, yeah, in the pre thing, or like yeah. you know the current everybody hates the face the pain face the pain music. Yeah. But but think about what that is for a second. It's literally mm-hmm. just a highlight of each fighter's most violent moments, yeah. rapid fire to this to this horrible new metal new soundtrack. metal soundtrack, and that's the way so that in, and that's yeah. the way that in 2018 this yeah. company still chooses to. Yeah. Have advertise their, their product right. that's still what they think yes this is what yeah. our consumers want this is this is what our demographics after yeah but uh yeah and then i remember because i think they went back to the old face the pain but i remember yeah. when they had techno face the pain yeah or like yeah for a little bit yeah, for a little like, bit for a little yeah. bit they're like dubstep's still a thing dubstep's right? still a thing yeah exactly yeah. Oh, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll get that uh yeah and i think yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about the marketing MMA. Yeah, it's still very. Yeah, that's. I I think I don't know if that has anything to do with it, because I think we're. I know we can't really call ourselves like mainstream MMA like consumers like from no. there. So it's uh, uh, I know I think that well that's the thing I think they're trying to find the pulse of what is a mainstream MMA mm-hmm. consumer. I think that's. Maybe that is. I know we could be totally wrong, Bryce. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's I mean, the that's yeah. the kind of guy we want. I mean, yeah. Biscuit's yeah. technically still a band. They, they Are still, they? Yeah, they I, they were touring as of a couple of years ago, so oh, damn. there's still some audience for that. Okay. Well, I guess. Yeah, isn't the Insane Clown Posse still a thing? Probably. Probably. The Gathering yeah. of the Juggalos, I'm pretty sure, still happens. Still happens, yeah. I mean, Biscuit probably plays Gathering of the Juggalos, for all I know. That that sounds like something that would. Sounds happen. right. Sounds. Sounds right. All right, and then um, let's see. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess that's yeah the marketing thing. John Jones, see John Jones, he's fighting again. Like, yeah. And 
I guess probably again, fighting again. Probably fighting again for now. Yeah. Und- underneath some dubious circumstances. Uh, yeah, there's just yeah, there's definitely not all is is right in in MMA for sure. There's just that there's always been that shady. Actually, yeah, there's always been that kind of shadow that's been, like, cast yeah. upon it, but it's, I feel it's, like it's always been there. It, it, yeah. all, it always yeah. has, and some of that yeah. is, is combat sports. Like, yeah. combat sports always has a large, a large shadow over it, and pro sports in general always yeah. has a, a smaller but still significant shadow over it. Yeah. But then MMA has, has its own set of uh, unique uh, issues as well. Yeah. So. For sure, just, I mean, just to organize crime, like, connection... Prior. Oh, yeah, and then um, um, and then and then currently with the UFC yeah. and and the uh, the oligarchs and yes. uh, just all of the all um, in the East Caucus and all of that <laughs> exactly uh, like the prominent dictators being very comfortable or uh, yeah with MMA fighters and uh, like yeah, yeah. How, how, how many people realize that that Fabrizio Verdum uh, walks out to music from uh, for um, uh, from Ramzan Kadyrov's yeah, uh, MMA che- promotion. Yeah, the Chechnyan uh, dictator, right? Yeah, the Chechnyan dictator who whose uh, sole, like, or not sole, but like his one of his, his goals. Per- yeah, yeah. One, one of his goals right yeah. now is to purge the con- is to purge his country of gay people. Yeah. Like, like, and the UFC is perfectly fine with not only signing fighters who come from that promotion and have direct associations with Kadyrov, but also, but also letting Fabrizio Verdum be an official ambassador to to uh, that promotion. And and walk out to that promotion's uh, theme song, mm-hmm. which just and, and there there um, yeah and uh, Kareem Zidane is a is a, a writer uh, for Bloody Elbow who who ah, does yes. uh, yeah. fantastic work on that subject and is obviously extremely extremely knowledgeable much more knowledgeable than I am but on, on that but but it is just a little a little bit of like uh, you know so so I recommend reading some of his pieces if you want to know more about that but. But it is it is definitely a, kind of a strange thing of like you're you're fine with that like you're 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 just cool with with uh with like very close associations with some of these people yeah okay and I'm I'm pretty sure um yeah the I don't know how to pronounce his name Chechen dictator but I remember him yeah. like gifting like Habib like a like a, a car I'm pretty sure I saw that yeah but yeah and then it's just in deep there it's it is yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> Eastern Caucus oligarchs. Yep, it's a uh, definitely interesting time, but well, that's how it is. Any um any fights that we did mention that you are that you are looking forward to? I guess we already mentioned Holloway and Ortega and yeah, the, the maybe John Jones. Yeah, maybe fight. maybe John Jones yeah. fight. Um. Off the top of my head, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the Cyborg and Nunez fight. Even uh, yes. though yeah. I I'm kind of of the opinion that you pick Cyborg in any fight, and uh, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be competitive. But just the fact that this seems like probably the the best chance of anyone to beat Cyborg. I yeah. have no I have no yeah. idea what the path to victory for Amanda Nunez is, but just yeah. Nunez has been a, a legitimate champion who has shown obvious knockout power and. Um, you know, obviously Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt has uh, significantly more skills and is more well-rounded than than any fighter that Cyborg has fought at the yeah. wasteland that is 145 pounds for women. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing that, and that's the co-main to the Jones Gustafson fight. So 
uh, that's that's one. There used to be a time where I, I would know every single fight or all of the big fights that are happening in the UFC, and now yeah. it's like I can remember the headliners and I can like and I know the title fights they have booked, but yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh, they have so many cards coming up. It's it's made me it's made me where uh, or it's gotten to the point where I just kind of tune a lot of that stuff out until we get to a couple weeks out and then it's like okay and then then i look at it for like is this worth watching or not yeah can i yeah should i should i watch this like yeah um, yeah i remember back when we had that uh when we had the mma podcast Mm -hmm. the mobile fight club podcast oh yeah back back but um yeah, and I think it was definitely growing towards that when we we're like, who are these people? Yeah. And now, now it's definitely gone full. Man, who are most like our, in the? There was a card last night. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to, but uh, yeah, there was, I did. Uh, yeah. I will say I did not, I did not watch the card last night. Yeah. Uh, not out of because I had you know no interest or thought the the fights on yeah. paper were terrible, just yeah. because I was doing other things. And yeah. It's it's really tough for. Uh, you know when they fight when there's UFC fights going on every weekend to devote seven hours with their their horrible pacing to oh to, yeah to just you know to to spend that much time out of your day mm-hmm. yeah I know yeah that 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 pacing and the the commercials and yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's it's just a bad it's just a bad thing uh but yeah I think uh I know I think it'll be interesting to see like how what what they'll do i guess moving forward like from there like i'm curious how this espn deal like is gonna happen i feel like yeah that's the seven hour blocks it's just not for uh mm-hmm. what 12 fights that's like yeah that's i mean you're, you're yeah. looking at that at that rate i mean you know not even a like a, a half hour of fight like that or you know more than a half hour of fight yeah it's, it's taking like that's yeah that's, that's very r- excessive. ridiculous yeah um and, and yeah, I mean, hopefully the move to ESPN Plus with a lot of the, the fights on the streaming platform will be better because um, Fight Pass was, uh, I was always more tolerant of cards that were on Fight Pass, even yes. some of the lower tier fighters, because the pacing was very quick. Yeah, the pacing was quick, yes, for and, sure. Yeah. Whereas for like these, uh, the FS1 or the, yeah, the Fox Sports 1, like when there's a quick finish, like, oh wow, quick finish. And then like, oh no, yeah, that means 25 minutes. minutes of commercials. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's um, and and when you talk about about yeah. mark going back to marketing for a second, um, that was that's another big shift that we that we've seen because when it, when you know we talk about uh how the UFC markets violence uh mm-hmm. more or less, um, the UFC has obviously tried to position itself more as a traditional sport. The Reebok deal was a huge part of that. Yeah. Now the fighters have specific uniforms that look more like. The types of uniforms that you would see on a stick and ball sport yeah and uh that's one of the reasons i'm sure why espn was more likely to to do business with, do them, business with them because yeah. it looks very clean even if it's not great for the fighters yeah. uh, and their and their finances but uh but the whole fox deal in general has progressed more to that where you have this desk that you return to and analysts that yeah. that will talk Back about these things yeah, yeah. but what the ufc hasn't the ufc hasn't gone all the way uh, the the analysts that the UFC has at the desks are, to put it bluntly, terrible. Yeah. And it's not it's not that they don't know what they're talking about. It's that they still have this idea that they have to promote the UFC uh, as a as everything is good all the time. Yeah. You never have criticism. You never have mm-hmm. this fighter did a a poor job at this or yeah. 
um, or you know here is a problem with our sport you never you never have the kinds of the kinds of critiques towards either the systems of MMA or specific fighters of MMA that you would see in any other sport mm-hmm. if you watch a football game you will have commentators who will say more or less this rule needs to be changed or this this rule is yeah. bad or yeah. this was this was a poor play yeah. not not in those words necessarily yeah. or like this was a poor decision by this player like yeah, yeah or yeah. like you know you'll, you'll hear things like this player cannot take a sack yeah. in this in this situation yeah and and in mma it's you know like you 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 still have the idea that every fight is good you know every fight is exciting in terms of the way that the way that it's commentated, yeah. you can't you can't be like, man, this fight's know, gonna suck. Well, yeah. you wouldn't well, hear that. Of course, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't say, yeah. you wouldn't say <laughs> it like that. Man, this game's really gonna suck. Don't yeah. don't, don't pay attention. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. say you wouldn't say it like that. But yeah. there is still this there is still this feeling of over this overly defensive feeling on UFC broadcast, mm-hmm. where it's almost like the UFC is is kind of parading mm-hmm. as a traditional sport. They still haven't fully found that yet in my opinion and that makes it even harder to sit through all of their you know all of their hours of coverage because it still feels a little bit off it still feels yeah. like you're not watching traditional sports coverage it feels yeah. like you're watching the UFC promotional channel no that's yeah that, that's definitely what it feels like yeah as far as uh, i think i think you hit that pretty spot on just yeah, that's that's what makes it so yeah it's almost like a yeah, it's almost like a propaganda kind yeah. of thing like that's how I imagined a North Korean TV would be. Oh, it's all great. It's, yeah. We're all eating so good here. Oh. Yeah. Here in North Korea, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, I think I think I think that's pretty spot on, just in terms of uh, how the the analysis. And I think I think one thing you mentioned of rules, just one of the big things about MMA is just how there's no there's this rule set like it's like oh it's unified but not here um, and it's a funny kind of use set. of the term yeah, unified exactly it's like unified but only in these states you yeah. know from we, and then yeah just with the use of replay which has led to some pretty uh yeah, yeah just some pretty awful outcomes yeah, yeah. even when replay yeah. is used it has the specific limitations or like how much replay can be used and what yeah. happens like Maybe it is the same, or it's yeah. just applied differently. I don't. I, I have no idea. It seems. It seems to me that it, it varies by state and yeah. varies even by referee. Varies by referee or what they decide to do at that time. Yeah. 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 If if some if somebody were to ask me, if somebody not watching MMA were to ask me, uh, you know, oh, can can they use replay in this instance? I would have no idea what to tell them. Nope. No idea. And and that's like, yeah. And that's something that you don't see in traditional sports or yeah. in, in other sports. Like, yeah. can you use replay? Well, we are in Florida, so no, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or even just with yeah. the, the, the so-called unified rules, if, yeah. if we were just to turn on an MMA fight and, and someone were to ask me, okay, what's the like, what are the rules? What are the rules? Yeah. yeah, like I... Well, cannot record phone calls. Well, that's actually... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much... I think I'm going to get going pretty soon, but I think... Yeah, it's been a pretty good interview. So thanks, thanks for your time, Bryce. Yeah, yeah. thanks, thanks for having me, Cholo. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, always good. And then, uh, yeah, thank you, listener, for listening to Pancreation Philosophy. Let's see, you can, uh, yeah, we're on, we're on Patreon. I don't know if anyone knows, but also Patreon's a weird spelling. I, when, I remember when I searched them, like, it's like patron. No, yeah. it's like P A T 
R-E-O-N. That's right. Yep, dot com slash pancreation. Donate if you feel like it.